We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. episode here of setting the pace i'm your host alex golden no michael Vodge today he is on his way to watch west virginia versus pittsburgh obviously you guys know he's a big west virginia fan so traveling down to play pittsburgh this is one of their all-time rivalries and you know they haven't played each other in a long time so Fachi had to be there for that so i think we are all are in agreement that we are cheering our butts off for pittsburgh to pull this game out uh it's always fun to see Fachi and misery and so um, we are going to be pulling for Pittsburgh to win this game, but on today's episode, we've got a lot to talk about because the Cleveland Cavaliers acquired Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz in a blockbuster trade that kind of came out of nowhere, and because Fachi wasn't able to join me to talk about it, I've got Rhett Bauer coming on. Rhett Bauer, you've heard him probably a couple of different times on this podcast as well as Locked on Pacers and does a great job on social media, interacting with fans and has his own podcast talking fantasy basketball and stuff like that. So uh, Rhett really knows what's going on with the NBA in, in general, as well as this Pacer team as it is his favorite team um, to watch and root for. So really fun conversation here with Rhett talking about all the ramifications that came down with this deal, how it impacts the Pacers. Um, how this could impact the Pacers and the Lakers negotiations, if there's still something there. Um, do the Knicks now have some disgruntled young players the Pacers could inquire about? So we talk about all of that here on today's show, but mostly we talk a lot about how this trade impacts both the Cavs and the Jazz and, uh, and how the Jazz now could be a worse team impacting the Pacers' race for Wimbenyama. And then, of course, the Cavs getting better where do they where do they fall in the Eastern Conference now with this with this new and improved team? Uh, and what does that pick mean for the Pacers? So a lot to dissect here on today's show. I'm gonna get out of the way and bring on my guest, Red Bauer, after this. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joining me now on Setting the Pace, it is the one only Rhett Bauer. Rhett, what's going on, man? Oh, not much, Alex. I'm excited to be here and talk about one of the biggest moves of the offseason. It finally happened. <laughs> Were you at all surprised when that came across on your on your timeline or on your feed, I guess you could say, on Twitter? Uh, a little bit. I, I put it out. Uh, I've been arguing with a Knicks fan for a couple of months now. I wasn't that, like thrilled with the Knicks package and I thought that there was a very good chance that another team would come through and I even had a tweet a week or so ago talking about how if you're going to have a small backcourt like Garland and Mitchell it makes sense to have two pterodactyls like Mobley and Allen behind them and uh, so I had been thinking about it but it's still kind of a surprise to see it come through right especially with Sexton in there and how Mm -hmm. many picks were sent out unprotected. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really sure what the deal was going to be. And it was just like, we we got the Woj bomb that the Cavs were acquiring Donovan Mitchell. I said, okay, like this is kind of wild. Um, and then we saw like what the picks were going to be, but we didn't see the players at first and it took a while. And then Chris Haynes had the players and I think Woj followed up after that with him. And so honestly, like I was kind of surprised with the players that did go out, did not anticipate Lori Markkinen being in that deal. Uh, neither. Uh, I wasn't surprised by Colin Sexton, I'll be honest with you, just because of, where he stood in contract negotiations and stuff with them. But I was a little bit surprised that Ochai Agbaji was also a part of this deal because I really did like his fit with that Cavs team and thought that he could maybe be the long-term answer at the three for them because of his three and D potential. So it doesn't really matter in terms of like this year for the Pacers implication wise um, and, and how they'll be able to compete against him. But I do think it does help obviously solidify this Cavs roster to be more of a playoff contender than maybe they would have been before the deal. Yeah, I thought the same about Ochai. I loved the pick for the Cavs, and I thought for sure when the deal came through, it was like, okay, you know, it's going to be a Coro and a bunch of picks and probably Sexton. And I saw Ochai in there. I was like, man, it's weird to make a guy who hasn't played an NBA game a sticking point in a deal. But if you're going to try to be good, which is what you're going to do when you throw in all of your picks, especially when you owe a 2023, I feel like Ochai would have been a great fit at the three. But as far as the impact to the Pacers, it, it does make the 2023 pick far more likely to convey, even if it will be worse. Uh, I think we'll, we'll take a first round pick that's worse over a chance of just losing it outright and getting a couple of seconds. Right. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I mean, I had the Cavs at eight uh, in the Eastern conference without the move. So now that the move is made, I got to think, where do I slide the men at? 
And this is really tough for me because I could put them anywhere from four to five or six. I think that they have the potential to be that good. But at the same time, you know, we see this a lot of times with teams that acquire players like Donovan Mitchell. It does take some time to adjust and get used to playing with one another. So I, I haven't heard your like standings predictions, obviously, because we we didn't do that exercise with you. But where do you think the Cavs slide in here in the Eastern Conference now with this move? I think that there's so much volatility at the top of the East and so many, like the Cavs core is so young, right? And obviously that like you can't predict injuries, but if you're going to predict injuries, it's less likely that the young players would have them. I think the Cavs could be hosting a first round series this year. I think they could, I think they could get that four seed fairly. I don't know about easily. Like, obviously that's not going to be easy to do with how, uh, competitive the top is, but I I don't think they'll be in the play-in. I think they'll be four, five, six pretty firmly, even with how good the the top teams in the East are. Yeah, I, I think right now, on paper, with this move, I probably do have to push them over the Hawks and the Raptors, and then that's where I had them at as uh, the Hawks were at six and the Raptors were at seven. So I definitely have them at least at six. And then the Nets and the Heat are two teams that I feel like they could be better than as well because the Nets could implode at any moment. And the Heat, they're they're a hard team to really bet against just because of how good Spo is. But I don't think that Cleveland will be better than Boston, Philadelphia, or Milwaukee. Uh, that's kind of where I'm pretty firm on those three being the top three teams in the East. Yeah, for sure. I I think your your point about the Heat is a good one. Um, you want to talk about injuries? Like they had Kyle Lowry miss so many games last year, and they were still uh, up there in the standings. But there's a team that I think is negatively impacted by these standings, and it'll negatively impact or negatively impacted by the trade, and it'll impact the Pacers as well. And that's the Knicks, right? Yeah, like it. They have to be considered worse. Obviously, not getting Mitchell. Yeah, and. Now they're they don't really have an incentive to be good this year. That, that could mm. be contending with the Pacers to try to lose some games. No, I don't know if I see that just because they still have Julius Randle. They, I know that he was um, not great last year. The year before he was really good, obviously when he most improved. But they went out and got Jalen Brunson. They re-signed R.J. Barrett. I think that their goal is to still try to win as many games as possible. Um, I still think I have them slotted in as the 10th seed, and I really just don't see a team behind them that could make a case for being better. I mean, maybe the Wizards. Um, that was who I had at 11. But other than that, I just don't think, like, with the way Detroit is, they're still really young and unproven. Same with the Orlando. I think the Hornets are going to take a step back this year um, with Miles Bridges not being on the team. And I think the Pacers uh, are going to be one of those teams that is pretty bad. So, I personally think the Knicks still have a chance to make the play-in, even though they didn't get this deal done. But um, one one aspect we didn't bring up is how all these players react to having their names involved in trade rumors for the past month and does it negatively impact them. Yeah, for sure. I think the Knicks are going to be fourth worst in the East. I think they have enough young players that they just haven't played. I don't know it's I know it's Tibbs. Like I, I know how he handles young players, but it just seems like what's the point? At this point, I could just see them sliding down. But yeah, the the chemistry part of it is definitely an interesting one. Um, I think that the players that were in the trade conversation, like an Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly, were already kind of on the 
frustrated side of things because of how yeah. little they played and how little their development has been prioritized. And that's kind of why I feel like that might be an option for this year, just because if if the Hornets start playing well, if the Wizards start playing well and the Knicks are looking at it, it's like, well, we're just as far away from the fourth worst team in the East as we are from trying to make the play in. Like, let's just go get another good asset to try and make another trade when the time comes. Yeah, I mean, out and curious, you know, Cam Reddish apparently requested a trade today as well. Do you think there's any chance the Pacers sniff around at that? I mean, they were obviously interested last year based on their reporting with Atlanta. Do you think they maybe try to sniff around and see if they can get him, especially now since they do have a roster spot open, um, since it looks like Kendall Brown's going to be signed to a two-way deal, still have that roster spot open, and maybe they could fork you know, fork a pick or a second-round pick or two second-round picks over to, to acquire him? I definitely think it would be worth it. I mean, I think you and I have been going back and forth for about two years trying to get Reddish on the Pacers just <laughs> as a as a wing, as a guy who can play like actual small forward and maybe up to power forward. I, I'm starting to sour on the upside that I thought was there two years ago. Yeah. Um, there's there's only a certain amount of uh, DNPs you can accumulate on two separate teams before I start to lose faith and, and we're rapidly approaching that number. Um, but I, depending on the price, I mean, the Knicks gave up what, like a first that wasn't really a first to get him. And so if that's, Kind of, it, the price should be less than that now. So if they want to get him in here and give him a little bit of run before restricted free agency next year, I would be I'd be pretty excited about that for sure. Yeah, I mean it's kind of funny because the small forwards here for the Pacers are just like not good. It's like O'Shea and that's about it. They're you know? not actual small forwards, right? right. Like <laughs> it's a bunch of guards and bigs, right? Uh, this this team is very constructed weirdly. Uh, I, I do not like all of the way that this roster is constructed. Now I like handful of the players for sure uh, i'm excited to see a lot of them get time and develop but at the same time i have some concerns about how this roster is overall constructed but um i don't think it really matters too too much this year as they're trying to just develop and i i don't know i don't want to get too far into the weeds on like what they should and shouldn't be doing in terms of like what type of position they should bring in but I do think that the pacers are going to be one of the worst teams in the east now i had them and so did Fachi as the worst overall team in the Eastern Conference. Are you in alliance there with us, or do you think they could be better? No, I don't think they'll be good, and I don't think they're going to have a roster that makes sense. Because, like, there's some teams that, like Orlando, I think they are, they're not a very good team, but they at least have a roster that makes sense. Like, they have the guy in Paolo. They have a bunch of good supporting players. They have a bunch of guys who are versatile from position to position, not, like, stretching them from a position but guys that can actually play the three and the four actually play the one and the two the two and the three four and the five and and so on so I don't think the Pacers have that like we said they don't have a three and and it's interesting to me I was actually thinking about this earlier today like how many of the players this year will actually be put into a good developmental context and how much of that will support what Tyrese Halliburton is good at like is he is Jalen Smith starting at power forward the answer like is that the best use of a season to see what the Pacers can do like is that is that the best I I don't think that it is and it's just interesting to see how this offseason has played out but it's also not over yet too which is definitely a factor right and I mean and that's a good point like I just I guess you could say Jalen's more of a five than he is a four in today's modern NBA you could say that um, I think some people would say Isaiah Jackson's more of a five than he is a four but at that point some of your best talent 
if they're all playing the same position, then you kind of have to be a little bit more flexible. And I think that's what they're hoping for. And I think, honestly, him playing the four uh, this year will get him more ready to learn how to guard players that play the four that maybe not might be a little bit quicker than him. I think it's a good learning experience in that regard because you're not really worried about it if he fails. It's more about getting those minutes to develop that defensive um, challenge. And I think the same thing could be said for Isaiah Jackson because I think last year Carlisle even brought it up that he was more of a five last year than he was a four. And he said he wasn't ready to play the four yet. So I, I'm assuming he's going to play backup five. It'll it'll be dependent upon what they want to do with Goga and how they want to develop him and give him minutes. And I think it's going to be a very um, mix and match rotation once again this year with Carlisle. It's not going to be anything set in stone. But, um, yeah, I mean, you bring up the Jazz, and I think this is a good point here to kind of go back to this trade because, you know, the Jazz, they get some really nice young players here in this deal. They get some... You know, they get some picks from the Cavs. There's no doubt about it, but clearly not the same amount of pick haul that they got from Minnesota for Gobert. But I am curious, you know, now that the Jazz are probably one of the worst teams in the NBA, that will impact the Pacers in a couple of different ways here, Rhett. And I think the first way here is obviously overall record in, uh, you know, the Tankapalooza here for Victor Wimbanyama. But I also think now it's pretty clear, like we already knew the Jazz were sellers, but how much more are they going to be willing to, like, give up on players like Bojan, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson um, in, 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 in trades because we know the Lakers have been rumored heavily to the Pacers and the Jazz uh, trying to offload Russell Westbrook. So I'm curious, um, first, your thoughts on the record overall, and then secondly, on, on maybe the Pacers and the Jazz kind of competing with each other, trying to give up some of their veterans here for some assets. Yeah, I do think the – Jazz have some veterans that I think can win games more so than the Pacers do. Yeah. Like I think, you know, with a guy like Mike Conley and Boyan, like those are two really good players, like quality starters. Whereas on our end of things, like Miles is obviously a quality starter, but he's also a big. So how much is he impacting winning on like a bad, bad team? And then Buddy is the other piece. And how much is he impacting winning with how many guards we have? Probably not very much. So I'm not as worried about that. But I completely agree that they're going to be hard selling these guys hard. And I am a little bit worried about what that's going to look like because the Jazz right now don't have any player close to Halliburton on their roster. Like Halliburton by himself is going to be capable of winning more games than what the Jazz currently have on their roster, assuming they get rid of the vets. And so I'm a little bit worried about that. And it's, it's just going to be one of those things where it might just come down to who is more blatant about it at the end of the year or when the jazz start trading or resting those guys. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I mean, I'm just looking at, you know, Utah's depth chart right now, even with all the veterans they have, it's like, you got Conley, Clarkson, and Butler as your point guards. You got Sexton, Beasley, and Agbaji as your shooting guards, and Bogdanovich and THT, a small forward, Vanderbilt and Markinen as your power forwards, and Kessler. And then I guess, you know, who's going to play that center position uh, for the backup center for the Jazz? It's like uh, Rudy as, Gay is like one of the other guys. Yudoka as a Wookie. Oh, yeah. As a I Buki think is the other option. One. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like they're just such a weird team right now. And obviously, like, I. I like the idea of Sexton getting a chance to prove he's something there. But, I mean, uh, same with Agbaji. Uh THT, I think he was miscast in, in L.A., and obviously they definitely 
overvalued him. Could have had Kyle Lowry a couple of years ago for him. And then Walker Kessler, obviously being a first-round pick this year, that was traded from Minnesota. So, I mean, they have young pieces that it's like, okay, cool, they're developing. But we know Danny Ainge, and we know how he destroyed the Celtics to build them back up and did a pretty good job at it, to be honest with you. Now that Celtics team that he's kind of – assembled through the draft and then obviously brad stevens has tied up some loose ends got them to the finals last year so i think the jazz have an idea of what they're doing i think danny Ainge is smart enough to know like hey this is the right time to tank because this draft is super loaded and we were going nowhere with this combination it was kind of running and it ran its course we all know that like the go bear mitchell thing was never going to be able to win a championship and so that's why i'm kind of fascinated here with um what Cleveland did, because obviously Donovan Mitchell to me is a really good player, and I don't want to discredit him at all. But um, I got a little bit of pushback on this, and I, and I might get some pushback from you, but I still feel like if I'm the Cavs and I'm building this thing, I'm still building this thing as Evan Mobley's team. I, I still think he is the best player on this team, um, and maybe not right now, but projecting-wise because of his versatility on both sides of the basketball. I just feel like um, once he hits his stride, like – and really becomes that player that we think he can become, now you're talking about a championship con contender, in my opinion. But I don't think he's there yet, and I like Mitchell, and I like, uh, excuse me, Garland, but they're both really offensive heavy, and they're really bad at defense. So they're going to have to find ways to improve in that area, and I think the reason people are saying, well, this can work so well, it's because you do have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen anchoring the defense. So that's why I just feel like Mobley, uh, when he wasn't on the court during the play-in games, you really felt um, the lack of his presence out there. Yeah, I get that for sure. And I think operating on Mobley's timeline is probably the right call. You already have Garland locked up, right? So he's on that contract and yeah. you are going to only go as far as Mobley's going to take you probably. Similar to how the Wolves are right now with Anthony Edwards. Like, mm -hmm. you know what you're getting from Cat. You know what you're getting from Gobert. Unfortunately, you know what you're getting from D'Angelo Russell. So Anthony Edwards is the swing piece that's going to decide that. And that's the same thing with Evan Mobley. And I think... The part of that that I, I get from the Cavs' perspective is you know what Evan Mobley is good at right now, and that is defense and just filling all of the gaps. So if you can get another offensive-heavy player like Mitchell to make his life easier on the offensive end to either take pressure off of him while he figures out things with the ball or gives him more opportunities to to just score, to just be a threat – that's definitely helpful, but also like how often do you get a chance to get a player like Donovan Mitchell, mm. right? Like I know, I know stars are just seemingly always available, but Mitchell's 26. Like it's not very, like go look at the list of players who are like borderline all-stars and turning 26 or younger. And like, tell me how likely it is that they become available. So I think that was part of the calculus too, for the Cavs is like, it might not be a perfect fit, even though Mitchell was known for his defense coming out of Louisville. So there's a chance he gets back to that. But I just think that, like this is just a move that is betting on Mobley being good enough defensively and Jared Allen being good enough defensively. And I guess Isaac Okoro too yeah. at the three that like, okay, you guys are insane on the back line defensively. And then Mitchell and Garland are, insane offensively as well both as shooters on and off the ball distributing creating shots for themselves and others so like I get that the fit isn't perfect I get that you're operating on Mobley's timeline but I think more importantly you might be operating on Mobley's timeline as he's on his rookie deal right yeah 
No, that's a good point because they, they obviously can afford it now to, to have all these big contracts that they're giving out because Jared Allen got a pretty nice contract from him uh, last year. Yeah. They just extended Garland and now they've got Mitchell on his deal for the next three years. So, you know, they're, they've done a good job. And I think, you know, the fact that they were able to recoup so much value and to, to a certain extent for Lori Markinen, I mean, what he did last year in Cleveland was super impressive. And I just felt like you could not legitimately um, consider them a, a serious threat with him as a starting three moving forward. I mean, I, I liked no. what he did in the playing game against um, against Atlanta. He was lights out. But at the same time, it just felt like this was not going to be something that was long-term. It wasn't going to be sustainable to me anyway. And I, I really was hoping mm-hmm. last year when the Pacers traded Karis LeVert to the Cavs that we we would get Isaac Okoro back. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I almost wanted him over getting a first-round pick like we did. And even if, even the second-round pick that we got, which we ended up drafting Andrew Nimhard. I just believe in Isaac Okoro. So I think one of the ways you can look at this too, it's like we saw, you know, the pros and the cons in just a short amount of time with Karis LeVert in that starting backcourt next to Darius Garland. And I think it's pretty yeah. obvious. You you can say that Donovan Mitchell is equal to or better than uh, defensively <laughs> than Karis LeVert in the backcourt. So um, Karis yeah. might have a little bit more size, but he's a bad defender. We saw that in Indiana multiple times. It's just... Uh, it just he's just not there defensively, but I do think offensively, uh, as creative as Karras can be, Donovan is a much better offensive player. So clearly, the the, the Cavaliers are, are banking on Karras Avert being that spark plug off the bench because I thought he really might be involved in this trade just because he's on that expiring contract. I wasn't sure. I was kind of surprised Markin was in it. I won't lie, um, but I thought Lavert might be in it just because he uh, eighteen million dollars. I think it is or close to that. On that yeah. expiring deal, I, I thought it made a lot of sense. So the Jazz don't have to worry about having a bunch of long-term money, and then they can get these picks. But they were able to stockpile and get some nice young players. So um, banking on uh, Karis LeVert now, uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know if he'll get that extension in Cleveland now with them getting Donovan Mitchell. But if he can really play well in that six-man role, um, then maybe we could be talking about a potential candidate for six-man of the year. Yeah, I think the interesting conversation is the gap between Donovan Mitchell and Colin Sexton. Yeah. Like, I, I definitely think I was surprised that Leverett wasn't in it. Expiring deal, you would think that that would have value to the Jazz. Uh, Laurie Markinen is more of a forward, would have more value to the Cavs versus Levert, who's kind of redundant with uh, Rubio, Garland, and now Mitchell. But yeah, I mean, is, is Donovan Mitchell. 10 to $20 million better than Colin Sexton on top of the other stuff you gave up. I think that's an interesting conversation. The answer is probably yes, especially with Sexton coming off the injury, but it's just one of those things that I think is really interesting because you still have the same defensive issues in the backcourt. Like they're not, they're not exactly the same, but the overarching feel of like, Hey, small backcourt. I wonder how that's going to work is still there. So I just think that's uh that's an interesting part of this conversation as well. Yeah. And I, and I think, when I'm just looking at this Cavaliers team, I think to myself, the ceiling for them is probably the four seed. Um, when I look at the floor for them, though, if one of those guys gets hurt, are we concerned at all about their depth? Uh, I think as long as Rubio comes back and stays healthy, I think they're okay. Because as long as it's not like one of Allen and Mobley and then one of Mitchell and Garland – then I think they'll be okay because that's that's kind of the beauty of having 
guys like that. It's like Mobley and Allen kind of cover for each other if one of them isn't in the lineup, and Mitchell and Garland kind of cover for each other in the lineup, and then Rubio's there as another floor general type player. But I, I'm not as worried about their depth. I think they have some good smaller pieces around the periphery, like Chetty Osmond's pretty decent. They've got Lamar Stevens, some some just like lesser guys that I think could could fill in well enough to still make them uh to get them into the playoffs, even if it does take the the play in game to make it happen. Yeah, and I mean they still got the experience in Kevin Love while he's, you know, sometimes playable, sometimes not in the playoffs now, I would say. Uh, for the regular season, he's a guy that you probably like having off the bench just because of his rebounding ability, his offensive ability. And I believe they also signed Robin Lopez this offseason, didn't they? Yep, sure did. So that's a nice, you know, quality big man just to have on your bench in case there is an injury once again to Jared Allen. Uh, Someone that can give them a little bit more size than what they were doing last year because I don't feel like Mobley as the five is sustainable for, you know, half of the season, kind of like he was thrown into last year. I don't know if it was a full 40 games, but it was about, you know, a third of the season he was having to play some of that. Then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's better as a four overall. But um, in terms of the Pacers now, obviously, long-term wise, you don't like seeing a team in your division get better like this. Now, the Pacers probably are kind of happy about this, smiling a little bit. Because, number one, it's just a, a slap in the face of the Knicks, and it's always fun as an Indiana fan to see the Knicks fail once again. But <laughs> a small market team in your division getting you know, seriously better is never a good thing when you're trying to eventually get to that point. But with owning that Cavs pick this year, it makes it feel like it's going to be a for sure first-round pick given to the Pacers for the Kares LeVert trade because this, this pick was – very uh, in jeopardy to me <laughs> of converting. I, I think before the deal, while I still had my belief that the Cavs could make the playoffs, I just felt like it was much more difficult. But getting Donovan Mitchell, I think this is someone that's while the while the Jazz never got to the the championship, right? He was a proven playoff player that really stepped up in some big moments. And there was times when he didn't step up, but he doesn't have to be the number one offensive player for this team all the time because they have optionality. So. Overall, I, I'm really impressed with both sides of this trade. Actually, I thought both teams won in terms of what their goal is for this upcoming season and the future of their team building. But now I want to pivot a little bit more towards the Pacers now, Rhett, and close out with this because we've heard a lot of talks about Daniel Tice, um, Buddy Heald, and Miles Turner being involved in trade rumors. Um, obviously, it makes sense for all three of these guys to be in the trade rumor for the Pacers, but do you think there's any possibility that the Pacers get back involved with the Lakers in terms of a trade, or do you think Utah has a better chance of trading some of their assets once again to the Lakers? I really have no idea. I think it comes down to whether or not the Lakers are going to give up that second pick, right? Like if they're, if they're putting that second pick on the table, then I think it makes sense for the Pacers to go for it. But if they're not, then the Jazz might have a better combination of picks or of players to to send out and make it make sense from the Lakers side of things. Because if it's just one pick, like I don't know about you, but I'm not trading Miles and Tice for Russ and a first. Like that doesn't yeah. seem like a great deal. Like maybe if it's Buddy, but then are you yeah. getting a first back for that? Probably not. But you probably <laughs> are if you get Mike Conley and Rudy Gay. Like it's it's stuff like that that I'm. I'm hesitant to 
to try and make a prediction. And I think that this does put the the chances of the Pacers being like a front runner, quote unquote, if you want to call it that, for the Russell Westbrook salary dump sweepstakes. Um, I kind I think that kind of puts that in jeopardy because the the Jazz now have even more salary options with a guy like Laurie Markinen to to make something like that work. So I I I. I can't really say for sure because I don't know what the conversations have been. Apparently, it's been Miles and Buddy for both firsts. And if that's the case, then go for it, I think. Yeah, I think I saw a report. I think it was Michael Scott who put that out there where they hadn't tried to give Daniel Tice to the Lakers as well. And get in THT, yeah. For THT and the two firsts. And I understand that thought process because I, I don't hate the idea of giving THT a little bit of a chance here just because of you know his former – um, being a former college teammate with Tyrese Halliburton, obviously that would have been cool to see them play together. Um, just I think he's you know a little bit more of a of a four, so maybe you can play with three at times too. So you know can't have uh, too many wings on the roster, and they don't have very many. So uh, I don't really know if you call THT a wing. I mean, some people probably say he is. I might some might say he's a small ball four, but um, he's uh, he's an interesting player. I just I just kind of wondered though, and you brought it up. I wonder if a Buddy and Daniel Tice trade for Russ and a first would be enough for the Pacers because I think it would be. Obviously, I think if you're the Lakers, you probably want to get Miles just because of the upside and potential there. But I feel like I feel like Buddy and Tice are two good players. You'll have to give up one pick. And with Tice, I know he's got three years left on his deal, but it's, to me, a very tradable contract where they could utilize that to maybe try and get someone else without giving up a first round pick attached to his contract uh, and trying to bolster their roster a little bit. I don't know if you feel the same way or if you feel like it's a negative contract, but I feel like they could actually use it as a positive. They're the Lakers. Yeah. I'm not sure the Lakers would give a first for buddy and Tice just because I think that the money is kind of equally bad on both sides. Like Russ is at least expiring, whereas buddy's a useful player for the Lakers, but has extra years and Tice would be, Useful, I guess, but not. I'm not sure that they would want to use a first on that, especially when the Pacers do have Miles as an option. So, I just, I just want to see what happens. Like, I don't think Russ plays another game for the Lakers, and I just want to know where he ends up because I think that's yeah. going to be a fascinating transaction. That's true too. So let me ask you this, because I, I, I enjoy ranking things to a certain degree depending on what it is. But if you're looking at Mike Conley, Bojan Bogdanovic, Jordan Clarkson, Miles Turner, and Buddy Heald. Who would you rank or how would you rank those five in order of most valuable in a trade? Miles has to be first, I think. Uh, just even though he is an expiring contract, I think his fit with AD on both sides of the floor makes the most sense. And they already have Pat Bev and Kendrick Nunn. And so I, th- I think there's some decent ball handling and shooting there at the guard spots. Uh, I-, I think probably Mike Conley would be second of that group. He's 35, I think with a non fully guaranteed next year. Uh, Boyan is probably third just as a forward versus a guard for the Lakers. I think that would be important buddy. And then I don't even know who else was Clarkson, Rudy. Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. I don't, I did, wouldn't really care for Clarkson much uh, on the Lakers. And then uh, Rudy, or I guess uh, you could do yeah, gay and ties. Gay. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, gay and ties are probably last. I, I'm not really worried about that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. I think that I would probably flip flop Bojan and, and Conley if it were me looking at the players, just because I, I yeah do, probably 
I just feel like Bojan's been a little bit more consistent, really good shooter. Um, and we saw, like, in the right system, he can play good enough defense. Not great, but good enough. He's a little bit younger as well than Conley. Um, doesn't need the ball in his hands at all. I mean, he's just a flat-out shooter and scorer. So uh, I think he can kind of pick and you know pick his spots. And there's been some reporting now that I think um, the Suns have, a, have interest in acquiring him which makes a lot of sense. And I know that there's some fans in Dallas that are very intrigued by trying to go out and get Bojan. So I think that the, the Jazz have some options there. Now, that partial guarantee for Conley's uh, contract, do you know when, uh, what that partial guarantee is in year two? I don't, but I will look at it right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> because great, I'm just curious. Great like, podcasting. Well, uh, how much is he making? The, you know what it is? Uh, he's 35 years old, 22.7 this year, and next year he has 14.3 of his 24.3 guaranteed. Mm. So you can cut off about 10 million next year if you wanted to. I might even put Buddy ahead of him in, in that regard. I know that sounds crazy. Yeah, it's it's possible. Yeah, just because Buddy brings so much more elite shooting. Yeah. Uh, and Conley is, I mean, he's lost a step. Let's be honest. I mean, I still like him and I still think he's a good player, but you know what the jazz gave up to Memphis to get him. Like you thought he was going to be much better than what he was. And he really wasn't that great. Um, I mean, he was good. He wasn't bad at all. Don't get me wrong, but um, I, I can kind of see where the Lakers might prefer buddy over, over Conley as well. And uh, Jordan Clarkson, I, He's he's to me more of a six man type of guy, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, he's never going to be a reliable starter in my opinion. Um, but but I do like the idea of you know the Pacers having two guys that could be potentially in the top three in terms of assets. So they they still could make a really good push here, Rhett, in and trying to make a trade. So overall, I'm not sure what's all going to happen. Like you said, it's it's hard to predict, and I don't know. Um, if the Lakers and Pacers have kind of burned that bridge in terms of like those negotiations, but there's always a possibility that it could be a three-team deal as well with all three teams involved here. I don't, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, uh, who knows what would be going where and how it would all work out, but you know, maybe the Pacers have interest in somebody that jazz have on their roster and that kind of thing. So I'm just, I'm just kind of throwing it out there, but overall um, this Cavs jazz trade was really interesting and I was not expecting to talk about this today. I, I thought Mitchell was going to be traded to the Knicks. I was a little bit surprised that the the Cavs gave up what they did to get him. But at the same time, I don't blame the Knicks for not, you know, giving up too much because the reported deal that they were going to give up, um, according to Woj, was a was a huge a huge haul, and the Jazz wanted more. And so, by the Jazz being a little bit greedy, um, they probably get less back in a deal than what they could have originally gotten, but they still got a really nice return. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it like I think you said, it's a good deal for both sides, suits both of their needs, and uh, I'm sure is not the last move of the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely love the NBA news, and I love when it's out of nowhere. I, I think a lot of people are overreacting to it, yes, because there is no NBA news right now. This is all we have, so... Um, we are desperate for some news, and training camp will be here before you know it. We are finally in the month of September, so uh, cool to see that the season is just around the corner. But, Red, uh, anything else you want to add before we sign off here? 
I don't think so. Just uh, like I said, looking forward to the rest of the transactions. I want to see what this team looks like when the dust settles, see what the league looks like when this dust settles and be able to more accurately predict what to uh, expect from some of the guys on the team. Yeah. And I, and I, I think I need to ask you one more question because uh, Sam Quinn on, on Twitter threw this out there and I'm, I'm very fascinated to figure out what, what your answer is going to be here. And you might not have one, but he said now that, you know, Bradley Bill, re-signed his contract and now that Mitchell's traded and Gobert's traded who is the next superstar to one out I, I I don't love predicting this kind of stuff but it is fascinating to kind of think of who could that guy be so do you have any like um guesses on what you or who you might think wanna might want out I I replied to that tweet and I'll, I'll give you my answer I thought LaMelo Ball um yeah that to me makes the most sense he was an all-star last year um the yeah. the Hornets are in a weird spot. Have some older veterans that are making some decent money. That their young core is not great, really, outside of like PJ and uh, Lamelo. And with Miles Bridges kind of going through what he's going through, it could just kind of be the writing on the wall. And I think Lamelo will want to play somewhere a little bit more. Uh, uh, I'm trying to say this the right way, a little bit more interesting. Uh, uh, yeah. Maybe a talent, a roster that has more talent, like. I don't know where the perfect fit for him would be at, but um, I, I definitely can see him wanting out. Yeah, I think it's between LaMelo and Jalen Brown for me. Those yeah. Would be, those would be my two answers. I think SGA is like the token answer, but I I don't think they're doing all of this without his uh, not sign off, but like an understanding between him that they're going to try to be good eventually. So I, I'm going to say uh, LaMelo and Jalen. Is there a dream destination you have for LaMelo? Um. I think him on like somewhere like the Magic would be pretty awesome. Just yeah. like another young team that kind of just comes out of nowhere and and gets a guy like that. I think that'd be that'd be pretty cool. I don't think um uh I mean him with like him on the Celtics would be pretty cool. LaMelo and Tatum would be awesome. But no, I don't <laughs> now we're getting way too far down the line. <laughs> just throwing it out there. I mean, that'd be interesting. A LaMelo for Jalen Brown trade. Uh that's weird. Um I, I kind of like it. I would kind of like his fit on the Mavericks as well. Him and Luca next to each other. Now that might be uh very complicated to figure out. Yeah, I don't uh, think the Mavs have anywhere close to enough for no. that. That's why I said Orlando. They at least have a couple extra right. picks and stuff. Yeah, they do. Uh, the Magic were one of the first teams that popped in my head as well. And then I also thought the Raptors. Um, but mm. they obviously have Fred VanVleet, but I would like to see him with uh, Nick Nurse, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam. I just wonder, like, what would they have to give up to get him? Um, I, I'm sure it would have to be something decent, obviously. But that would be a fun team to see him go to just because – I think Nick Nurse could really make him special. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, plus seeing him play 38 minutes a game would be pretty awesome, statistically <laughs> speaking. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The first time we can get a per 36 uh, accurate description. But yep. um, with that being said, Rhett, let people know where they can find you on social media and plug anything you'd like to plug. Yeah, you can just find me on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer. Uh, got a bunch of dynasty fantasy basketball stuff coming out because it's the offseason and that's one of the – best things to do when there isn't actual basketball. So uh, just check out all the stuff over there. I'd, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And Pacer fans, if you guys um, uh, want to give Rhett a follow, that'd be great. Tag Rhett and myself and let us know what you thought of this trade as well. We'll be right back after this. All right, everybody. That does it for another episode here of Setting the Pace. To all of those playing in the Setting the Pace 
Fantasy Football League. Really enjoyed our draft. Doing a 16-team league was a very tough exercise as it is slim pickings for some of these positions and players, but it'll be a fun contest all year long as we're going back and forth playing fantasy football. Always enjoy the back and forth and hope everybody has a great year doing that. But with that being said, if you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. I'm at Alex Golden NBA and my co-host Fachi's at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk over on Facebook and TikTok at setting the pace. And you, if you have not already, please do us a big favor. Go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast and subscribe to our channel as we're going to have some awesome content coming out very shortly uh, with preseason training camp and the season starting just before you know it. Uh, we're going to be having some really cool content on there. But with that being said, if you're excited that the Cavs have a better chance of making the playoffs and giving the Pacers that first round pick, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.